Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, live with Alex Nicholas, the one and only. It's tournament time. March Madness has officially begun. Conference tournaments are underway, so March Madness is here. And uh, we got another episode of the Rush Podcast for y'all, um, Conference USA tournament style. And it's already started. So let me ask you this question. Here we go. If you TSA and FAU play a playing game, are they in the Conference USA tournament? Are they just like – Of course. Like, it's, of course like, it's like, course, you know, if a tree falls in, in the woods and nobody's there. <laughs> but anyway, so they kicked it off. And I wrongly predict – I went on some podcast on Monday – and was basically telling people to go bet their mortgages on this UTSA game. <laughs> you made a bunch of people go bankrupt, basically. Yeah, pretty much. They uh, lost their bankrolls, had to mortgage the house. And UTSA got killed by <laughs> Florida Atlantic to open up the Conference USA tournament. So oh, big week at the Rush, big week of college basketball. UTEP, of course, opening up Wednesday evening against FIU. For the third time this year, uh, you know, luckily it's that old saying, hard to beat a, a team three times in the year, but they've split. They played uh, almost kind of identical games in a sense in certain stretches, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, you know, just, just first of all, let's kind of look at this Conference USA uh, bracket as far as where UTEP sits in. And looking at this FIU-UTEP matchup, I mean, we know two or three things already about this UTEP team. One, they, they're going to live and die by their jump shot. Yep. Two, it's tough to they're 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 they struggle defending, and three, there just isn't that consistent inside score that we've seen that that's been able to kind of get them out of these rough stretches of offense when the jumper isn't falling. And against a team like FIU that has some you know matchup problems in the front court, you know I think this is a game that the guards can really get a lot of confidence in as far as shooting because they were 11 of 17 in the first matchup, really shot FIU out of the zone. Those three keys, I mean, that seems like that's been the key all year for this team, right? Definitely. And, you know, you say you say something interesting about the Miners and how they faced Florida International the first two times and how they, they somewhat played the same game, but that, that is the Miners. You know, we've seen the same team all year. It, it, it's kind of deceiving because you see a team that scores 80, 90, 100 points and, and wins six in a row, and then you see a team that scores 65 and loses six out of seven. And it's just – it's it's – odd you almost seem like well what's going on but it's black and white when the shots don't fall the wins aren't there that's just the, that's just the simplicity of it there unfortunately um this this offense though there really is no offense you know there's no there's not a lot of offensive sets with this team so you're gonna see the same thing every time when it comes down to it it's gonna just be a matter of whether or not the shots will fall for this team and you know sometimes they fall in stretches and sometimes they don't um when you when you look at, at FIU though I mean, this is a team that, in my opinion, is is similar to the Miners in the way that they've played throughout the season in streaks. They've played well at times. They've played poorly at times. They've had their win streaks. They've had their losing streaks. So it, it's it's hard to say what you're going to get when it comes to this game. I mean, from either side, from either side you know, you just you just don't know which team's going to show up on either side. Um, so when you see a ten point a ten point win from both teams, I mean, that just kind of shows you where these teams are. I mean, it, 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 you just don't know what you're going to get. And, and uh, you know, the interesting thing about it is that they won on our home court by 10 and we won on their home court by 10, which you don't normally see, you know, normally you'll see it the other way around and you'll say, okay, home court advantage. But in this situation, you, this, these teams are just so inconsistent right now. And it's hard to say what you're going to get out of them. 
But I would like to think that the Miners have enough fire, uh, firepower to, to win this one, get into that second round, or I don't even know what you call it at this point. I think they, re- you know, they rebranded the second yeah, round. So, yeah, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament. You had that playing game, and now it's the second round after that. But whatever whatever the case is, you know, I would I would think that the Miners have enough firepower around guys like Lee Moore and Irvin Morris and Dominic Artis. But, you know, again, you just, you just never know with these teams. And, and so, you know, I, I don't even know what to expect. I don't even and know. Vegas didn't either because it opened as a pick The money's kind of shifted to the minors, a point and a half at this point. I think it, it will probably grow a little bit higher towards the minors as tip-off goes. But, I mean, you're right. I, I think everybody is kind of looking at this game. And I've seen people on Twitter posting, you know, their uh, their Conference USA predictions and seeing UTEP, you know, drop this game, you know, being somewhat of an upset. I don't think it's an upset if FIU beats UTEP, you know, because let's not forget the first time these two teams played here in El Paso, FIU was up 19 and they were just bending the minors over and handing it to them. I mean, there was, there was no hope. The shots weren't falling. There was no stops. I mean, that was, if any coach wants to see how to really, really just hurt UTEP defensively, you watch that FIU game and watch how every guard was able to drive and dump off driving floater, driving kick. I mean, it was almost automatic where, you know, guys were basically just going to a spot they liked, whether it was on the baseline, whether it was on the rim, whether it was cutting, and a guy like Diaz who can score from everywhere. And, you know, you mentioned about, you know, having the firepower to kind of being able to to outgun a team like FIU, and it's very, very true. I I think that is what you can see, a, a game getting to the 80s, UTEP's going to have to play in the 80s in this game. I think there's no doubt about that. You know, you look at that first matchup where, you know, FIU had that dull moment. It was like it was like a 21-4, to 21-6 run. And FIU was looking like they were going to easily hit 100, and all of a sudden UTEP was able to turn it on. Those type of stretches have to be consistent in this game for UTEP to be able to put a team like FIU away. I, you know, we've seen all year long that this team has really, really struggled UTEP, that is, to put teams away. And I think if you let a team as physical and as good defensively as FIU is, I mean, you're going to kind of get that same result you got in that first matchup in the last 12 minutes where UTEP's trying to cut the lead and all it takes is a three ball from somebody and boom, your run's over, your, you know, that momentum swing. And so I think UTEP, the big deal is, is fin- ending and finishing games. That's kind of been going back to that two-game losing streak after they won six in a row. That's what you kind of saw. You know, they, they got off to a, was it 17 to nothing, 17 to two uh, deficit against uh, against Old Dominion, and Old Dominion closes the game on a 15-0 run. You're going to get beat every time, you know, especially in a tournament when the momentum can swing off a simple turnover, a simple execution of a fast break play. And I think that's what the miners really have to avoid in this one. And, you know, it's – but, you again, like we mentioned, you just don't know what you're going to get on either side. Yeah. But 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 hopefully the confidence of of the postseason, of Lee Moore being named to the third team, you know, Terry Wynn being named to the all-conference team, and the presence of the postseason, you hope you know, that can take just a, To take a step aside real quick from, from the FIU preview, you know, these, these all-conference teams come, at, come out the last, you know, a couple of days or whatever, but isn't that kind of disappointing? You know that we had such high, and I don't know if we're just—I mean, maybe we're just homers, man. Like I don't know, maybe I'm a homer. Maybe I mean I know I'm a homer, but I'm saying <laughs> maybe we're just like real, true homers that we really feel. You know, you, you, we go back to uh, to Colorado State game, right? We're, we're, when we when we were five and zero, we head into that game. At the time, we thought Colorado State was a lot better, which turns out they weren't that well, good. But but they did lose uh, that kid. Um... Cavell, but still. But yeah, still. G- G- Gian? Yeah, Gian he Gian. hurt his foot a couple games after that. You know, but 
point is, you know, we, we really had such high hopes and expectations for this team. And, you know, not just for for uh, the team, but for individuals, too. I mean, me more. Yeah, he makes 13, man, but we're talking 13. Yeah. You know, we, we, you, you were talking about one of the best junior college players in the nation just two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Was it two years yeah. ago? Or, and then you're talking, about, and you're talking about Dominic Artis as well, you know, who, who – didn't really do a whole lot in Juco, but had his time at Oregon and we expected a lot of him. And not that they haven't been good players, but it's just been, it, it hasn't been what we expected. And to see these, these kind of, these teams come out, has kind of been like the, the ice, not the icing on the cake, but just kind of the, the, just the exclamation point on the disappointment of this season, so. you know, where you don't have these guys that you, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, I would have talked about Dominic Art as being at least second team all conference, you know, Newcomer of the year, newcomer candidate. of the year candidate. A lot, you know. There's just so much that was expected of this team, and then you come down to it. Terry Wynn makes the, the all freshman team, which is definitely, you know, warranted. But the only person beyond that was Lee Moore, and that's just kind of it, it. Just shows what I mean. In, in, for lack of better words, you know, what a disappointment this season was. Yeah, it is, and I think what what we kind of got lost in, and you know, it, it, as great as that start was, was you know what the fact is that we still had 10 newcomers on this team. No matter who you are, Kentucky, sure. you know, you're going to have some type of of growing, of, of growing pains. And we had that, but the adjustment just wasn't made until it was – and it's funny because Tim Floyd admitted that when they started, when they went three and six in conference before they switched it, they were booking their flight to play today because they figured, oh, shit. So it's like, okay, it was a little too late. What would have happened – Let's say as soon as Project Jones went out, you know, before December, if they would have gone to that four-guard lineup and we would have been able to maybe outscore a team like New Mexico State. You know, I don't know. You could sit here and go, and go that, but, but we, we forget the fact that, you know, that, that there was 10 newcomers and that it just took too long for them to develop that niche in the last nine games of the season, which was a great finish. They finished 7-2, and two, averaged 84 points a game. But I think that gets really lost in our expectations because I think we just – and we've talked about this before, you know, we've been minor fans since we came out the womb and we have high expectations for this program because of what we saw growing up yeah. and what we saw when we were able to be adults and kind of follow teams and recruiting and, you know, the Philly Rivera days and those type of days I'm talking about, you know, so I think that kind of maybe has some orange blinders, but it definitely is a disappointment, not just because of the season, but because of the talent that we have and how it took a little bit long a little bit long for somebody to figure out. Hey, let's get let's go to a four guard lineup. Which we we sat here in August and, and debated. Yeah, could that be the Miners' best, you know, mo with this with this team? And we didn't see that until mid January. You know, and the 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 biggest thing of all is that, yeah, I mean that is that is obviously that's where the Miners' strength lies in their guard. So you know that was the best move that you could have made unfortunately it came too late but you know the disappointment more than anything and it is that coach floyd talked about four guard liners from the beginning of the year yeah and it took them you know starting three and six in conference play for them to finally say okay let's go to four guards more, the majority of the time I, I don't understand it but you know going back to the fiu preview that the miners and and with the style that they're playing right now and and you know they play such at such a high pace they're always pushing the ball up the court but that works both for and against you because, you know, if you're making shots and you're playing at that pace and your opponents are missing, then you, you wear a team out, you, you, you race ahead of 20 points and it just, it just breaks their will and, and you're in a good spot. But 
coming down the other side, you start missing shots, and we've seen it time and again. You know, and the other team is 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 making baskets. All of a sudden, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to find a, a, a basket somewhere. And the problem is, again, we don't have the offensive sets to generate points. So we don't know how to manufacture points as a team. We don't have a go-to score. We've got a lot of athletes, but we don't have a go-to score. Lee Moore has kind of developed into that to an extent, but we don't have that I mean, Stephon Jackson type player, I always go back to, or even Randy, yeah. you know what I mean? That guy that you're just like, in that moment, that's the guy that's going to do, that's going to have the basketball. You know, with this particular team, I'm going to go a little bit more recent and say, you know what, the, the, the reason, and it's, there's a lot of needs that these guys have in the front court. And obviously the big one is, is everybody's going to jump out all rebounding. We get crushed rebounding, but I'm going to look at this from a different angle. You get a guy like Vince Hunter on this team that's an sure. inside scorer, yeah. not, not so much a rebounder, an inside scorer. Because, and, and you can even go and say last year that Cedric Lang became that inside scorer because what would they do? Throw it in the post, and you knew that Cedric had developed his offensive game over the past couple of years where he's going to make a move, and he's either going to score or he's going to get to the free throw line. And I think that this that's the main thing that this team is missing is an inside scorer. Forget about a, a dominating rebounder. Forget about a seven-foot shot effector. You get that guy when, when the offense is stagnant and the guards aren't shooting. You get a guy that can you can throw it in and he can get either to the free throw line or put it up off the window and score with his back to the basket. That can really change takes, the dynamic. It takes of a lot team. of pressure off of your guards big time. because right now everybody knows where your scoring is coming from. So they, there's no you know they can crowd the three point line and make you shoot it and you're going to shoot contested jumpers and sometimes they're going to fall but a lot of times they're not. But you know you're exactly right. We don't have that interior presidents uh, presidents. I'm over here with the debates, bro. I'm getting all caught up. You know, your interior presence and, and you know, it's more than just rebounding. It's it's definitely scoring. It's that scoring threat. And even though Terry Wynn has done an amazing job as a freshman, obviously, you know, again, like we talked about all freshman teams, the, the guy, I mean, to me, he's already a star, but he's going to be, honestly, he's going to be very good if he continues at this pace. I see him a lot like Cedric Lang, just more more effective at the rim because in Seth's earlier, Seth couldn't yeah, make a basket to save his life, oh, man. Like, he'd, he'd make some beautiful moves, beautiful footwork, get to the rim, and it would just bank off, and you're like, damn, dude, if you could just put it in the basket. And then he did. He, yeah, he and then, him but, yeah, by his years, he could do that. But, you know, the, the, uh, Terry Wynn, man, he's been great as a freshman, but the drop-off between Vince Hunter and him is just huge, especially when you look at what Vince is doing now, you know, another year removed from where he was, you know, it's 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 definitely that was a huge impact on this team, but but regardless, I mean, I just think you know, for me, you can sit here and make excuses and talk about well if we had this mm-hmm. and if this would have happened that you know, but the truth of the matter is there's when you look at this team, I don't see any discipline, I don't see a disciplined basketball team, and you know on what either end of the floor. on either end of the floor, and and that that in itself. The discipline will win you two, three, four, five games on its own. And so when you when you have stretches where you can't make baskets, that discipline and intensity on the defensive end will make up for a lack of of, of offensive. Uh, I don't even know what the Fire word power. is. Whatever it is, but you know, just you, if you can't find your offense, your intensity and energy level on the defense and your discipline defensively will always pick you up. And and we just don't see that. And 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 it and it comes back. It translates to the offensive end, like I'm talking about. We don't have offensive sets. Every time we come down the court, 
It's one-on-one. -on -one. Find the open jump shooter and take your or they, shot. Or they weave on the outside. Or, yeah, that's pretty there's, much there's it. No it's, a weave. And roll. it's a weave. There's that's no... all it is. And, and, you know, sometimes you're able to get some nice passes because these guys are athletes. You know, they're ballers. And sometimes you get some nice passes. You get some, you know, some breaks to the rim. But overall, there is no offensive set. There's, there's – it's just – it's it's basically street ball out there. And you go back to the last two years where there was more discipline, particularly on the defensive end because we didn't have the firepower at the guards. But you saw the you know the the, the kind of the emphasis to throw it in the post, the emphasis to to get that better shot, you know, and shoot that higher percentage because we weren't scoring in the seventies, eighties last year, but we were shooting consistently high forties, mid fifties, and that's kind of what you don't see. So quick uh, quick prediction, real quick before we bring on our conference USA tournament guests. Miners roll tomorrow, right? Or not? Well, not roll, but no, they survive. You know, I, in I, yeah, I definitely think they survive. Um, man, it just—it's crazy because with this team all season long, since let me see, uh, I, you know, just to look back real quick, the first time I can remember was probably I guess Colorado State, you know, where they started off. 17 to two or whatever it was, yeah. or 21, five or 17, whatever it was, you know, and, and all season long, it's been like that. It's been these, these huge margins, whether it be a deficit or, or whether they're up. I mean, and, and I just, I don't know what to expect coming out tomorrow, but it, I think the the beginning of the game will dictate the, the winner. That's what I think. I think if the miners come out slow, we're done. You know, they're going to have to jump out to a 10, 15 point lead early like we've seen them do a number of times, and then it's going to be a, a dog fight to the end. So I think it's going to end up being a close game. I, the homer in me says the minus pull it out. Can't disagree with that. I, I, that's how I see it going down, too. So let's move along and, and break down the Conference USA tournament. We're bringing on Dave West from the blogging. I'm going to say that. I'm going to murder this wrong. <laughs> Blazer blogging, UAB Blazer blogging. Dave West. Dave, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much, guys. It's okay if you say it wrong because it's it's going to be a limited name. UAB has already gave us the cease and desist of using uh, oh, of using the UAB names, <laughs> which is which is okay. We're still in the uh, hold on. They gave you the cease and desist for using Blazer. Oh, they didn't really, but they J the SID said in so many words. Uh, probably should not use the UAB in the in the in the, the beginning of it. So oh, we're gonna okay. come up with yeah. some something that rolls off the tongue a little bit more. Uh, there you easily. go. So, yeah, so, yeah, we're Texas El Paso. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, you, you've been out there uh, covering practices. You were at the earlier game. What, what's kind of that vibe down there in Birmingham, the hometown vibe of just the excitement of having that comp tournament in Birmingham once again? A lot. It's great. Birmingham, the weather's so good right now. Yeah, we may get some rain towards the end of the week, but fortunately basketball is one of those sports where, I mean, the weather can be bad and people will still come out. Um, I'm, the, the, the slate tomorrow is going to be amazing. I mean, we're starting off like a, with a really good game with Western and North Texas. But the thing to look at with that game is, I mean, they've played once this year, and Western got a much-needed road win where they've been terrible this year. They got that in Denton about a month ago. Um, Jeremy Combs was in a walking boot. I'm, I'm sure that's uh -oh. not breaking news. But, but he does not look like he's going to play. And, I mean, I just can't see a scenario where North Texas can – contain um you know ben lawson and rostov those big guys in western's paint i mean i think if, if jeremy Combs doesn't suit up i mean western would just have to just go go nuts from the three-point line to make that game even close in my opinion yeah and i totally agree about that one you know you were around the practices today you were around the coaches today you've watched conference usa basketball all season long and you've got a good vibe 
a, a good vibe of who's who before today. But being around that, I always notice when you're around the players and the coaches at this practice setting in this different environment, did this certain team or maybe their confidence, the way their coach spoke, the way they practiced kind of stood out that made that a team maybe you didn't think about coming to the tournament thinking, hey, you know, if they get that right matchup or that right stretch, this team could probably make a run. I know you didn't see everybody, but was there a certain team maybe that you saw today that you caught that? Both Florida Atlantic and Rice, uh, Mike Rhodes' team was just turned up. They had the music going. They did this 30 and 30 uh, drill where they had to make 30 shots. Half the player was on one side of the court and the other on the other half. And they raced to see who can get to 30. And I thought, I mean, I thought they were going to, you know, just go running up in the stands and just party. I mean, it was, it was great. And, and Curry, Coach Curry for FAU, I mean, that man's a presence. I mean, I, I don't. I, Old Dominion's in trouble. I really think so. With the way Delft, Delft is playing at center, and Old Dominion doesn't have anybody of size. But th- those two, as far as the practices go, I mean, they were at they were at another notch. UTSA was like a funeral. I mean, their practice was <laughs> the qu- the quietest I've ever seen. It's just low energy, and and um, Brooks Thompson just doesn't do a lot of vocalizing and leading himself in the practice. It was the their head assistant, he pretty much orchestrated the whole thing. So, I think that's something that's maybe happened all year. It's funny because last week I kept waiting for him to get a tee because he was he was getting after the rest. So I'm thinking, damn, this dude just from all the stories I've been hearing, he must be a fiery guy. And to hear that, that's really crazy. But you know, looking at the bracket overall, I mean, it's it's simple for an outsider, you know, to look at this and look at records and look at teams and look at you what what UAB did last year. I mean, to me, it's UAB and everybody else. I mean, what are your true thoughts on UAB's true chances of basically how I feel? They might just run through everybody. I mean, may not run through everybody, but this should be, you know, theirs for the taking. Am I correct? Do you feel that same way? I I do. I do. I I actually don't mind the teams that they got in their part of the bracket. It's weird how it separated, like, the the slower-paced teams stayed up top and the quicker-paced teams stayed towards the bottom and you know UTEP's kind of evolved to be a faster paced team once they got to that guard heavy lineup you know and when they put um when they put Hooper on the bench you know not starting so I think it's actually okay even though we've got some really good teams that we have to get through up top but it, yes there's to lose I mean I've told people in the beginning of the year UAB's second five could probably finish in the not the top half but they could be competitive and that's just not something you see in mid-majors very often. It's really hard to develop depth with transfers and injuries and things like that. So who's the team UAB would to avoid or who would they need to avoid? You know, Louisiana Tech is a team that, that, that was able to get them. We all know about Old Dominion uh, defense. But that Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky is playing very, very well right now. Which team do you see? that the Blazers might want to avoid no matter where it's in the quarters or even the semifinals on the course of the championship? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, as far as in the in the quarters of the semis, Western Kentucky and La Tech are the two toughest. Obviously, those are the two teams they lost to. But in the bottom half, I and this may sound like I'm you know trying to speak towards your crowd, but UTEP gave us a, a lot of problems when they were in Birmingham. The score may have not have shown, but but Artis and, um, and Harris could pretty much do anything they wanted in the paint as far as driving, and that's what we have trouble with. We have trouble with quick guards and you know and, and powerful forwards like uh, Morris and Moore. I mean, I would not want to see UTEP, and I would not want to see Western, which I think we're going to end up seeing them. But 
that I, it, teams like Marshall and Middle, I just I, I like the way we match up with teams like that. And and but um, yeah, I would say Western and UTEP are the two teams that are going to give UAB um, the, the most trouble, in my opinion. So to give us some some quick predictions here. I want to know uh, who you who you got coming out of the top, who you got coming out of the bottom. I know you said that you don't want to see UTEP, and I would assume you're you're pushing for your Blazers to make it there. But who do you got coming out of uh, the quarters, into the semis, and into the finals? All right, uh, Western and North Texas. I got Western, ODU, FAU. I've got Old Dominion just because Trey Freeman. He's a senior, and you know could have been Player of the Year. I think they're going to get through there. Um, Rice and Charlotte will probably be the game of the day. I, honestly, I think it will. That could that could just go either way. Um, and that's why I think I've got uh, Rice there just because I really like the way Rose is coaching. And UTEP's going to take care of FIU. Um, UTEP literally yeah, does so. not need. They do not need to shoot a single three. They need they need to take every single shot in the paint or maybe if, you know a little bit outside. They don't need. It's, they don't. They don't need to do what they did like they did in Ruston where they got. They try to play with LaTeX and shoot those threes. If UTEP can just play their game, I, I mean, I like them getting through FIU and getting through Marshall too. I mean, um, that, that's going to be tough. The, the, the bottom half, it, it, I think it's got a lot of movement. It, it can go a lot of different ways. But I see UAB coming out, coming out of the top, and I would say in order probably, uh, I'd say UTEP, middle, Marshall, somewhere in that mix, yeah. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been I've been hating on a certain team. Which one is that? Marshall. <laughs> I've been that's, hate, that's kind of surprising. I've been too. I've been, ha- I've been really hating on Marshall because the fact that they can't defend. Now, Dave, I know you're you know you're one of the guys that watch the conference USA basketball the most. Is Marshall a fraud on that three line? I mean, I, I really see UTEP being able to take them out. I don't think they defend well enough to beat anybody in this tournament in back to back days. Uh, do you feel me on that, or am I just uh, oh, I do. Yeah, I feel you. They're seven deep, and I'm being generous saying they're seven deep. Like, they're six and seven guys or walk-on type guys. If they get into a battle, and I mean, all, all you, all you got to do is get a couple of their starters on the bench, and they're in trouble, man. I mean, um, that, that's, that's, and it, you get Coach Floyd in these kind of situations. If he can get a team, get a team like Marshall, which would be a great coaching matchup with D'Antoni and Floyd, I think, I think he'd have his way with Marshall. I think what he's going to do is going to get them in foul trouble. I think he's just going to bring the forwards and guards and waves at the paint, and they just they just don't have an answer. They don't have depth. But like like you know, as you know, Marshall can hit threes, and I've watched a lot of their games. I watched Southern Miss light them up. They may have not won that game, but that is that 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 just shows you what Marshall is capable of not being able to do. If they can't defend, it's. And Rice, I know as much as I like Rice, they're up there too. I mean, if you go look yeah. up on Ken Palm and look at that defensive efficiency, there's the two or three um, Conference USA teams that are down in the 300s that are just, I mean, they're 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 just they're okay with going to get in their buckets, and that's all they're worried about, and they're going to outscore you. And with the shot clock the way it is, I mean, every team's scoring more points, and and that's why you're seeing the Marshalls in the. Um, you know, teams like that, Charlotte putting up 100 plus points because they're, I mean, they're 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 not getting back. That's, that's, that's not true. They're, I've watched a lot of Marshall possessions where they'll shoot a shot and four or five out of their guy, of their guys will be already on the other side, like just bailing sounds, out on offensive rebounds. It's amazing. It sounds a lot like what we see down here in El Paso. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you know, I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate on that though. Um, Marshall, look. 
they may not be able to play defense, but this is a team that ranks third in the country in points per game. Some of their lowest scoring games were early on in the season. They had a couple tough games. I think they played Tennessee. I think they played uh, Maryland. But you talk about since conferences started, I mean, they're, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But they're you have to be the, 80 to be, you have to score 80 you know, to be easy. You, you might have to score 90 or 95, but they're probably the top scoring team in the country since Conference USA play has started. I, I don't know that to be a fact, but, I mean, they're, they're averaging more points since conference play has started. So, either way, I mean, they may be terrible at defense. They may be a, a quote-unquote fraud from the three. But if they're scoring 90 points a game, I mean, they're doing something right now. Granted, they're 16 and 15, so, you know, that says a lot too, but – Man, that team's going to put up a lot of points. And honestly, I wouldn't want to see him because if you're off, you're done. I mean, there's you're, you're not going to find him in the 70s. And everybody – I was watching James Kelly step out and shoot threes. I've seen Ryan Taylor the past couple of years step out and, 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 and knock down the three balls. So yeah, you're all right about that. And, Dave, just when you brought up Rice, and one thing that really frustrated me about that, you bring up their defensive uh, efficiency numbers, and they have Marcus Evans gets – voted to the all-defensive team over a guy that I think should deserve it from your school, Nick Norton. But that could be another argument for definitely another day. But all right, Dave, so the big question for all UTEP fans, because I know a couple of UTEP fans may be on the plane listening to this headed over. I need three must-stop eateries in Birmingham for this weekend for <laughs> UTEP basketball fans. And I know the women, our women are hoping to make that run all the way to Saturday. So give me the top three spots that you cannot leave Birmingham without eating a meal. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Cause all I do in Birmingham is I eat and I drink, man. That's I'm, I, I divulge in those type things. Uh, number one is going to be, there's two locations. It's Saul's barbecue, S-A-W-S barbecue. They're easy to get to within 10 minutes, both locations. Number two is Post Office Pies, which is a new pizza joint. It's about two or three years old, and it actually shares a wall with one of the better breweries in Birmingham. And I would say number three is – man, you put me on the spot here. Let me think. Rojo, Rojo is, which is about five minutes from downtown. It's a little Tex-Mex joint, which I know you guys probably know that better than anybody. But um, it's good. It's legit. No, 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 no. It's good. Hold on, hold on. Let me correct you real quick. Oh, God. I, I Mexican I San Antonio. Aquí en El Paso, it's Mexican greasy-ass food, bro. I, I should have rethought that. I knew better than that. The moment I brought that up, I was I regretted saying it. <laughs> Take My the man, first, dude. Do salt for barbecue. Yeah. Blogging, follow him on Twitter, at God Save the Ham. Check out his work over at UAB Blazer Blogging dot wordpress.com he's gonna he's got a cred patch he's gonna be pumping out all sorts of good information out there from birmingham dave hey man great to talk to you keep what you're doing man you do a tremendous job over there and thanks for coming on with us today it was a pleasure take care take care guys good information there from dave um we can have a whole podcast on here you on that I mean, when I look at the bracket, okay, when I look at the bracket, honestly, I don't think Yusuf could have asked to be in a better no. position. It's it's like when I went on the radio yesterday with 600, I said, quote, you know, this team, quotation, favorable. Yeah, it's definitely favorable. I mean, who, who, who honestly, you avoid Louisiana Tech, you avoid UAB at home until Old the Dominion, finals. Old Dominion, Old Dominion, even Western Kentucky. Even what, you, I mean, <laughs> seriously, like, you couldn't ask for, I'm not going to say an easier road, but you couldn't ask for an yeah. easier road. I mean, seriously. Yeah, FIU, like he said, we should get past them. I'm hoping we do. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think we will handle them. Marshall, again, that, that for me 
Tennessee is going to be a tougher game than Middle Tennessee, Ooh. assuming we were to make it to that. Assuming Interesting. We're, I'm assuming we were that. to make it to that. Only because of the points. Because we, they're going to play in, right into our hands, but we have to continue to make shots in order to hang with that. They put up 108 the last time. Yeah, and granted, we put up 112, but, but if we have to score 112 not points, I mean, come on, yeah. man. You know, so, you know, I, 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 that, that's the one that scares me. If this was last year and this was a team, you know, with a Julian Washburn and an Irvin Morris playing defense the way he was last year, I would favor the Miners, even though they don't score 80, 90 points. You know, they can just because it up. they can, exactly. But this year, when we have nothing, nothing at all to say on the defensive end, man, that scares me a lot. And I hate to look past FIU because I do think, again, it's going to be a tough one, man. It's going to be a dogfight. But what we're here for? Assuming we can get past them. That Marshall game is going to say a lot. If we get past Marshall, I, I'm going to say we're going to be in the final. See, and I'm on the opposite of that, where I'm thinking we can easily dispatch Marshall, but Middle Tennessee How do you is going to be the team. How do you stop? Like they said, I think, you know, this is not tooting up Floyd, but, I mean, they're not really deep. And another scoring comes from four or five guys that are averaging double figures. But I think that they can figure this thing out in, in a fact where their offense can be their best defense in that game. On a neutral floor, of, of course, you know, we did let up 108 points here at the crib. But I just think that that's a game that, that the Miners can really just use their athleticism and use the kind of, I guess you can call it, depth that they have compared to a team like 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 Marshall, if they can be aggressive, they can attack and get guys like Ryan Taylor, you know, get get a guy like like uh, Ryan Kelly out of that game earlier. That can kind of be a key for them, and that's why I like them. But oh, I'm looking at Middle Tennessee, and I just do not like the way they match up with Middle. I'm like I'm like the complete opposite of you know. I feel that we can stop Marshall. I don't feel we can score on Middle Tennessee. Those are that's why I feel that Middle Tennessee is the bigger hurdle on this side of the bracket. But, I mean, you, you can't – I just was I just was appalled that a team like Southern Miss was able to easily put up 90 points on them in 40 this minutes. This team is averaging 97 points a game in conference play, man. And you have every – look, every team that beat them has put up more than 80 points. You have to. The only, I think the only team that didn't was uh, Old Dominion because they can defend. They that, still put up – that's that's dude, 97 points a game in conference play. That's ridiculous. I mean, how do you beat that, honestly? You know, nobody's – and that's the thing is I can sit here and say, oh, well, Floyd can figure something out, but nobody's figured that out. That's the whole thing. You know, n- nobody's been able to figure that out at all. I mean, that's <laughs> that's going to be – you're right, though. I mean, yeah, they, they, scored, gonna, they scored 90 points, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight – Nine, ten, eleven conference games have scored ninety or more points, and four of them have been over a hundred. That is, I mean, I don't they care. You know, I heard Dave's comment about everybody scoring more points with the shot clock. <laughs> Not a lot of teams are scoring like ninety-seven that, points yeah. a game. But you know what? Again, we got we got FIU to worry about first. I'm looking ahead at that Marshall game, and if if we can somehow get past FIU, God, that's going to be there's going to be some fireworks in that game. If you like scoring. <laughs> That's going to be a game to watch right there. While we're on the tournament, I just want, I want to get your thoughts on this quote. I read this quote from Floyd, and it, like, slapped me in the face because I haven't heard this type of confident comment from Floyd, you know, obviously with the personnel issues that we've had over the past couple of years. But he basically said, I think we've got enough depth that we can go play for four days if we have to. You agree with that? Because I'm on the fence with that. Because yeah, that's I a mean, bold ass that, statement. I'm not on that side. I'm, I'm not, not on the. I'm um, not on that side. Yeah, I'm on know, the fence. 
Hooper Vint, you know, coming off the bench, first of all, Hooper Vint been very inconsistent throughout the year. We've had some games where he's looked really good. We've had some games where he looked really bad. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Trey Touchet, the guy, you know, has put in some quality minutes, but I wouldn't say that, you know. Hasn't been consistent yeah, enough to annoy him. Not even just that, but, I mean, are you willing to put him out there for 25 minutes in a conference semifinal and and think that he's going to get you the kind of production that you're going to get from the guys ahead of him? You know, I don't, I don't know, true. I don't know about that. Um, right that. You know, the, you know, Kevin Caldwell, great kid, you know, senior guy that's been around. He's he's been put in, you know, put through the ring. Yeah, he's made some big plays, but still, I mean, can you count on him to to get you the kind of production that a guy like Lee Moore can get, or or Irvin Morris, or Dominic Artis, or those guards ahead of him? You know, when you say depth, I mean, yeah, you've got bodies, but to have depth is not having bodies. Have depth is having guys that you can interchange one for another and know that the drop off is going to be minimal, if any at all. And there's no knock on guys like Tevin Caldwell or Tay Touchette. They've they've, been they've done their they've part. They've done really well. They program, but you know. I, I don't. I don't agree with that that comment by Floyd at all. If this game, if these games are gonna, if we're gonna go four games, if we're gonna go four days, it's gonna be done by Artis, Morris, and and more. Yep. Period. Those guys are gonna have to go Harris. out there and get uh, Harris. Yeah, I'm leaving out Harris, but those guys are gonna have to go out there and get 15, 20 points each. You know, to go out and and just who, where where are you gonna get 90 points from to beat UAB? Because honestly, it, it, I don't see it going less than 90 against you. Uh, I'm sorry, Marshall. I don't see it going less than 90. Assuming we get by FIU, I don't see it going less than 90. So where are you going to get 90 points from? Yep. You know, you're going to have to get 15 to 20 points out of at least three guys. So, I mean, I don't see that coming from anybody off the bench. I just, you know, I can't agree with that. Yeah, comment. That, was, that was just a, a very strong comment. I'm, and I'm thinking the same thing that you are. You know, it's like, you know, okay, you know, you've got bodies there that have shown in stretches, but, you know, you haven't seen a 10-point or, or a 12-point, eight-rebound game from Tevin Caldwell or a – 17.6 assist game for Trey Touchet off the bench where he's hitting four or five threes or Flaggart. He's only reached double figures once this year, and Flaggart should be a guy, in my opinion, that should be hitting two to three three-pointers a game, you know, in this particular offense. So, yeah, that, that just – I just wanted – I knew you had a hot take on that, and I was you, – you, you murdered that. Murdered. You know how to bring it to those right there. <laughs> so, check it out, 7.30 tomorrow evening. I like, uh, the other thing, and you mentioned it earlier, is, is the, the game time. And assuming we make it through, we got the late games through oh, the, yeah. whole, the whole time. So that's cool because, you know, at work, you don't have to worry about trying to find yeah, a lead. And I couldn't get the damn week off or... like I normally got. So, yeah, dude, it's a, so I'm happy with that. So 730 American Sports Network. They haven't released the TV listens yet, but I'll try to work on that to get that up on the game preview or the game thread for y'all tomorrow so we can go ahead and check that out. But there's another UTEP team in Birmingham looking to cut down some nets. And this one has the higher odds and the minor rush book of odds, if you want to call it. I mean, what a year by Keita Adams. You talk about, you know, the transition that they went through last year, 12 wins. You know, Kamisha Turner was the only consistent cog. You had a lot of freshmen growing. And then this year you add Jenzel Nash, you add Star Love, you add that big girl, Tamara Seta, and boom. You have a team that was ranked in the top 25 at the end of the year, a team that's really good defensively. But the only knock I'm going to put on this ladies is they don't shoot very well. They don't shoot for a high percentage. But you throw in that Keita Adams factor in March – I'll take that. You know, first of all, I got to give just, I mean, Keita Adams deserves, you talked about it, but she deserves so much credit for everything that she's done. I mean, for her to even still be here is kind of amazing. She has to have been given so many offers, probably a lot more money than she's getting here, and yet she continues to stay loyal and continues to produce. 
Um, it's just, it, it's amazing. But, you know, I hate to be negative right now, but isn't it just typical UTEP fashion for them to get into the top 25 and then lose? Yeah. Like, isn't that just expensive? I, I even UTEP said that on, on like, one of these radio hits oh, that man. I did. It, 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 it's like a, a plague. It's a plague. But, you know, but at the same time, you can look at it from a different perspective and say that maybe that's exactly what they needed. You know, coming into the Conference USA tournament, you know, you get that loss, you get it out of your system, you kind of – it's a wake-up call for this team. And and what's going to be toughest of, you know, for them, they're coming in and right off the bat, they're going to have to play an early game. Is, is UAB is not East Coast, right? It's Central? Central, Central, yeah. You know, even at that, you know, a long way from home and early game, 11 a.m., and then you got – assuming the home team can make it past Southern Miss in that, in that round, you got – to face the home team in the in the conference USA tournament. I mean, that to me, that's going to be the toughest game that they're going to face yep. till they get to the final. That, that, assuming they get there. That's exactly what I said yesterday when I went on sports talk. And I actually, I haven't seen UAB. I mean, you know, we don't really watch that many. Sure. Women. It's, it's hard to watch a women's game because you know there's no TV coverage. But I actually got to see Southern Miss when they came down here. I was able to make it out to a game, and Southern Miss is a tough team too. You know that that and that's gonna, that is the key for the miners. And I said it yesterday, and I'm so. 150% on this, if they can get out of that quarterfinal round, you know, they can pretty much roll the way, roll, now I wouldn't say roll, but they have the better advantage. But that quarterfinal matchup is tough. Just like you mentioned, it's 11 o'clock start. They've had almost a week layoff. You know, you talk about their last game was last Thursday on the road. They've been practicing a lot. And then you get a team like UAB and Southern Miss that are probably going to play one of those barn burner, you know, get your mojo going get your momentum going for the tournament type of game, that's a tough spot for UTEP. It really is. You can even go and look on the men's side and it says a tough spot for UAB too, you know, play, possibly playing a team like West Kentucky. But for the minors, it's really going to be tough. And like I mentioned, they just don't shoot the ball well. They play great enough defense where they're forcing ridiculous 20 turnovers, cashing in 30 points off those turnovers. But if these ladies get into those offensive stretches where nothing's falling, there's no rhythm, there's no flow, we could see an early upset from from the Lady Miners, and they are not at this point a lock in the NCAA tournament, no. despite their record. Because let's be honest, they haven't played anybody. You know, they've been their top 100 that, wins that, during conference know, that, in Mexico State, but you know they haven't. It seems like in women's basketball, it's more of that bias of more than the man of you need to be. If they would have come in without this last loss, they, they probably would have had a very yes, very, a very good, good shot yeah, at getting it, in there. Because you enter your conference tournament in the top 25. I didn't see the latest polls, but I'm assuming they nah, dropped yeah, out. Yeah, they right? dropped out. I didn't see anything on that. Um, you know, so that's that's tough for them, but they deserve it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we come out of a conference and on the men's side as well, where it's just not giving much respect, rightfully so or not. I don't really know. You can make the argument either way. UAB deserves it, but, but that's another story. But you know, you're only gonna get you're only gonna get one team in, and so minors. The only way to guarantee that it's them to go out and win that tournament. So check that game out Thursday, 11 o'clock. I only I think it's only gonna be streamed. Online, I'll have some info on so that. There's ASN well. here on Conference USA's network, uh, Conference yeah, USA's that, website, but I don't know if that is just their stream. That, that, or that's, 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 that's one thing I've been trying to figure out. Nobody knows. It's like they're holding a damn secret about the damn television things. But either way, you can catch that game on our, I guess I could call them our partner now, ESPN 600, since we do a lot of work with those guys. Check out. I think well, Capwoods has a call. It's on the lawyers, bro. It's on the lawyers. All right. Damn. Oh, yeah. We already got we already got UAB lawyers fights <laughs> happening on it. So check that Season out. Though. Assist, bro. Stop using the ESPN name bro does it say 600 i'll pass <laughs> check it out man really hope that they can make a run i i, I don't want to see them play a, another nit run here i think that they, they deserve a, they deserve a shot at the tournament yeah so they do that's gonna be interesting and just real quick before we end things up here 
spring football starts on Monday, and I mean, give them the I, scoop. I think I think we would be give them the scoop. Hold up, give hold up, because I, I we, you know something big happened last week with the football team, and I just want you know I don't want to touch on it too much, you know, but I just want to get your thoughts on the Aaron Jones situation. Um, you know, I think it. There's so many ways. No, no, no. Well, you did put me on the spot because I wasn't expecting that. But no, there's so many ways that you can look at it, man. I mean, first of all, I don't condone drunk driving in any way, shape, or form. Even, even if it's only, oh, I only had three or four drinks or whatever, and I'm good to drive because you know what? Everybody's been there where they say they're good, and you know what? The truth of the matter is, you're not good. Like, there's a reason they have these laws in place. But you know, for for a guy like Aaron Jones, man, you know. He's a good kid, got a good head on his shoulders. You know, he made a mistake, and a lot of kids make those mistakes. A lot of people make those mistakes. And, you know, there's, it's not like you're going to hold it against him forever, but you got to be smarter than that, man. You have to be smarter than that. You're the face of this program. I mean, you're talking about a kid that, that has a future in the NFL. I mean, a legitimate field. chance to have a real future a in career, the NFL. Not, not a career, not just a future, a exactly. career. And and so you know those when you're in the, when you're in that situation like those are the things that you got to think of. I'm not trying to say hey don't go out and have a good time don't go out and party. You know you got to have your head on your shoulder. You got to know what you're doing and you got to always think about what the right thing to do is because anything that you do is going to be more magnified than anybody else. And the biggest issue is when you do things like this, you jeopardize your future. And it's I'm not even just talking about the, the direct consequences of something possibly happening. You getting into an accident, you know, somebody gets injured. God forbid you kill somebody, you you hurt yourself. But you know, I'm talking about like to a lesser extent when when you know NFL scouts are looking at you. That's the kind of thing that you could have talent, and these guys will not look at you because they don't know. Now they don't know your character. Now they don't know if they're able to trust you to be out there and do the right thing and not get into these kind of situations. You know what? For a guy like Aaron Jones, man, I can't imagine that there's not 100 people that would give him a ride home. There's, I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's Uber, man. Like, come on. Like, I'll you know, right and home. Uber is cheap, especially in El Paso where it's not like any drive is that far. I mean, you're talking about five or ten bucks to get somewhere, man. I mean, you, you just you have to be smarter than that. For a guy like him, you know, you got to make the right, the right decision, man. And, and getting into, getting behind the wheel while you're drunk is not at all the right decision. Obviously, there's still an investigation or whatever that's going on by the university, so I guess we shouldn't really jump to too many conclusions. But from everything we've heard, that's the case. And again, you just you got to be smarter than that. And you mentioned it when you talk about you know the NFL look of it, and you know I'm pretty sure you've been hearing about these weird questions that these yeah these, that was you crazy, know yeah. It, so it's like. You know, when you have that type of, of history where you've made the news for something like that, you can just imagine what that questioning goes to and, and how much that team is going to hesitate to take you in the second round compared to you going out. I mean, look at Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. You know, Aaron Hernandez, first-round talent. There was, But there was that clout with suspicion that, hey, this motherfucker's a crazy motherfucker. He's out here smoking weed. He's rolling with guns. So from a first round to a fourth round with so many stipulations that this guy had as far as his contract and how they do. I mean, that, that, that's where it goes deep. And I know Aaron is a great guy. I've had opportunity to talk with Aaron on and off the record plenty of times and really have gotten a rapport with him. And I know that this kid, if there was anybody more devastated about the situation, it was him. You yeah. know, he, I mean, this guy is a stand-up guy. So I think we'll definitely see him bounce back on his feet. And, you know, his, Jim Darnell is his, is his uh, attorney, has the most cockiest quote in the newspaper talking about he's going to get off it. I mean, you know, I hope, 
you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, know what, rest man, the judgment honestly, say. Hope he gets off it, but there's a pretty good chance that it gets dismissed. The and, only way, the only way that I give a shit if this case gets dismissed is if he was, if he was not drunk, if yeah. he was not drinking, and for some reason, you know, I don't know what it could have been, but that's the only way that I would care. I don't give a shit if some hotshot lawyer goes out there and gets you off because of some technicality or whatever it is. That's not that's not the issue here, man. And and those NFL scouts are not going to care about that either. You know, so, they're not going to they're not going to go and say, oh, you, you got your lawyer got you off. Okay, we're red flag and nah, a half. They're going to look at the simple fact that you got behind the wheel while you were drunk, you got pulled over, and you went to jail. That's that's the simple fact of it. What happened afterward has no bearing on their decision whether or not they want to take you or even consider you. So I mean, honestly, like whatever happens with his case is one thing, but unless unless the absolute truth is that he was not drinking and whatever mistake happened, that that's one thing. But other than that, anything short of that, the kid made a mistake. He needs to he needs to be smarter moving forward, and that's the bottom line because now he's risking a lot more than just you know it's not you're not just some kid anymore. Like you're you're the, you're the star of a Division one program, you're the face of a program, and you have you're legitimately putting your future at risk. So, I mean, I just, you know, again, whatever happens with his lawyer is, is one thing, but either way, he's just, he's got to bounce back from it. And, and we know he's a good kid. We know he will, but I'm just saying that's, that's got to get, you got to get your priorities straight though. And that's probably a conversation him and Sean Cougar had to the bone. So, you know, so besides there's, there's a lot of storylines heading into spring ball, obviously that was going to be a big one. And, you know, just because of who it is, but there's some other storylines that, that I just kind of want to just touch on. What is it? Number one, the quarterback situation. What is it? Tell me. Number one, that know? quarterback situation. What do you know, Doug? Tell me. I, basically, from <laughs> sources, you know, it looks like – now, I, I mean, not, you know, we don't play a damn game until September. Yeah. But it looks like Kavika Johnson may be that number one starter. Or at least, the, or at least, at least they, taking the number one – At least they like, want him to Yeah, be. that's what it kind of seems like as far as going on. I think they're going to kind of – bring Mac Leftwich along a little bit because he's been out for a while. You know, there's that scare factor with, with his concussion. So that's the big – I mean, that's the number one storyline, in my opinion, is a quarterback position because you have – now, it, compared to last year where we didn't know what either of these guys could bring, now we have a clue. Number two, the defense, and particularly the secondary. That's really where – and I, you know what? I have to say the whole back seven with the linebackers and the secondary because you now – you're going to need to mold an outside linebacker who is from one probably going to be a true freshman. You know, also the depth behind them, they're probably going to be very, very young. That's a big thing for me is, is, is on that defensive side. How these, how quick can these guys adapt to the defense and, and fix their technique on that defensive side? I feel That's like we've been one. talking about that for years. I'm just talking about that defensive secondary. I yeah. mean, but there's a lot of talent back there, man. Yeah, it's, there is. I hear what you're saying. I want to switch over to the, to the back to the quarterback though, because let me just ask you, Ryan Metz. Or I'm sorry, let's start with Mac Leftwich, Ryan Metz, Kavika Johnson. Who's the best athlete? Ooh, man, damn! You... Take Andrews out of the picture. I'm a, I'm gonna go with with Metz with the best athlete. Really, the best because I mean the kid can run like a gazelle. I mean he's he's six three and a half. You know what I mean? He has that 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 extra step ability. He has that sneaky. I mean I watch kid torch the third string second string defense last year with just tremendous runs and now he he did it kind of sort of in this in, in this year but i'm gonna take Mets as the best athlete athlete out of this you program. know you may be right you've been a lot more inside the program than i have but in my opinion from the outside looking in you know i see it as as kavika johnson and i don't think That's he was close. necessarily given the the complete opportunity to do that you know to show his true skill 
But either way, you know, you want to get your best athletes on the field. And so I think that's why you see with a guy like Brent Peace coming in, we talked about this before the show started, is just, you know, you've got a guy that's got a lot of history. He's got a great resume. He's probably coming in telling Sean Kugler, look, you're the head coach. You do what you do. I'm the offensive coordinator. Let me do what I do. And he's probably taking a lot more control of the, of the situation on the offensive side of the ball. And so I think, you know, because of that, no disrespect to Leftwich, but you ain't going to see those homie hookups anymore. I, 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 and if, I and totally if Leftwich agree. is not the best player, the best player for that position going in, he's not going to be on the field. I don't know if he will or not. We'll see how the spring plays out. We'll see how the fall plays out. But, you know, I think that's why, you know, you're starting to hear this this early on. You're starting to hear, well, Kavika Johnson is the guy. Because they want to see that talent that he's got. They want to give him the opportunity, the outright chance, the real opportunity. You're, you're the first stringer. Go do it. You know, you're not going to have to come in off the bench as a, as, as a second stringer, third stringer. You're not going to have to wait for somebody to go down to start getting reps. This is your team. Let's see what happens. And they'll go from there. To me, that's what I think is happening right now. They don't really know if it's going to be Mets or, or Johnson or maybe it is Leftwich again. But, you know, they're, they, they're, they're kind of analyzing. Awesome, they're, they're anal- but they're, they are, but they're analyzing the situation. They're saying, who do we think gives us the best chance to win? And I think for the system, they see Kavika, and I think they see the talent that he's got, and they want to see – they want to give him the chance to do it over the next couple months, give him that opportunity to see if he can really step in to a leadership role and become that starting quarterback. I agree because as, as good as as good and as, as high potential that Mets has because of his skill set, because of his athletic ability, I think Kavika Johnson is the best quarterback fit. You asked me who's the best athlete. Now, if you were to ask me who's the best quarterback fit – that could run this offense, Brett Peace's offense, I would definitely say Kavika Johnson. He showed me a lot. Now, his stats didn't speak a lot about in that last game against North Texas, but I went back and watched that game. I felt like Kavika had that moxie. He had that control. And you put him in an offense that's a little bit more wide open. There's more diversity. You know, there, there's more – uh, more of an emphasis of getting your your best players in space and get them in the best position to make plays, which was not what we saw last year. It was just basically – assignment-based, beat your man off the ball, hit the hole, and that's it. There was no creativity. Now in this one, you get a, a more of a dynamic athlete that Kavika Johnson, and that can not only extend plays after the pass, but the guy's a pretty good – he can stand in the pocket and make a throw. Now, we didn't see it consistently, consistently, and that's something that we need. You need a pocket passer. You know, it's great to have a great a great athlete because, you know, both – you know you're getting that out of Mets and Johnson. The difference for me is who can sit there, who can make a read, stand up in the pocket on a third and seven and, and deliver a bullet for a 12-yard pickup on a third and seven, third and six. And UTEP is going to – that's how they practice. They, they go through these situations. So that, to me, is going to be that difference. You put them in that – even that second and six, you know, hey, you know, let's – okay, we ran for four yards with Jones. Let's throw a second and six. Let's get 12 yards. Who can step up in the pocket, make a good read, make a good decision, a great throw, and move the chains? That, I think, is, is what is key more than anything, more than controlling the huddle, controlling that. We've, we've seen everybody do that. We've gotten a chance to see all three kids do that. They do a great job of that. There's very minimal pre-snap penalties with all three. You know, you don't see delayed games. You don't see them trying to change too much on the line of scrimmage. That could be different in this offense. But the thing to me is who can make the throw on third down, on second down, when, you, when, the, when, the, when we need a passing game, when we need a big play from a big-time receiver. Because we have a couple, I'm not going to call them big-time receivers, but we have some pretty Reliable, reliable options. Who is going to be that guy? Because Hayden Plink, 
is going to have a tremendous year if he can get somebody that can get him the ball. This is a guy that I thought, wow, how the hell did Cooler get this guy last year? He played through injuries, and he was still pretty productive. It, that's going to be the key. Somebody that can step – because the offensive line is going to be better pass protection-wise. They've all grown. They've all been in the system. Not maybe this system, but they've been together. They have that. Show me who can make a throw downfield. It's not about what we talked about last year, who can kind of control the offense, manage the game. This offense is Brent Peace offense. Quarterbacks got to be able to make plays. Look at Kellen Moore. Go look at those Go look at those films where you see a guy like Kellen Moore that's able to stand in the pocket and make a throw, and you got a guy like what was it, Austin Pettis, I think one of their receivers. you got to let your guys go. You know, uh, uh, Warren Reddick, Terry Janelle can be like that. So that's really what I'm looking for in the quarterback position when I go out to uh, – hopefully I can get out to these spring practice. I'm starting these damn trainings this year where I'm going to be pretty much yeah. out of the loop. So. I, I definitely think you're talking about the, you know, Who's the best pocket passer? I mean, I think I got to go back to, I mean, Leftwich has got to come back into the, into the conversation on that. Yeah. The kid, you know, he he's small, so he's dead at disadvantage, but he's made some throws. I mean, he's definitely shown he that he can up. make some throws. But you know, overall, I would have to say that that's Mets. You know, I would think, and and you know what, man? Anytime I think of Mets, I go back to that MSU game. It's just it's 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 just crazy to see a kid that came that really has never had any game experience. You know, very 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 limited come in and just lead a team down the field twice with ease, with ease, you know, <laughs> the first one was a 96 yards, 98 yards, whatever. I mean, that, it's just, the last, it's, it was the last or the last, it's just, it's crazy, man. Like when you talk about that, that just shows what kind of player he is, you know, whether he is the best athlete or not, whether he has the strongest arm or not, when you've got a guy that will just go out and get it done, that's all that matters. So it should be interesting, man. Again, both sides of the ball, defensive secondary, got a lot to look forward to. Quarterback position going to be up in the air probably up until the first game of the season, if not very close to that. But but you just you want you want to see progression. You want to see guys. But we're minor fans, and and you know what? We're expecting another winning year. We and are bowl game and conference championship. New Year's Day. You know, I'm just you know I'm starting. I'm, to, West I'm starting to realize how much of a homer that I've been for so long, man. Like. Every single year, we're like expecting these wins, and we're expect. And I don't know any he other way. I don't, <laughs> I don't know any other way to be. You know, like I don't. I don't know how not to be optimistic like that. Like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe on the outside looking in, people are like, oh, "These guys are idiots, man." Like they're talking about their team, like they're gonna have something. <laughs> I don't know. That's the only way I know how to be, man. But well, but it should be an interesting year, man. And I am expecting seven or eight wins. Uh, you, you you I mean, it's not Homer to say it with this team, you know. And the schedule the schedule, the schedule is is I mean, it's borderline cupcake. You know what I mean? In in, in certain stretches, obviously, yeah. you know, maybe not the whole body of work. There are there are a lot of improving conference USA teams we're going to see this year, and there'll be a looks like there may be a changing at the guard at the top. You know, obviously, you know, we'll see as, as you know, defections always happen, additions always happen. But you know, impressed with the recruiting class. Impressed with you know the the, the for the the lack of transfers that we've seen from UTEP so far. We haven't seen any you know major guys that are starters transfer. You're getting back eight guys that were potential starters that were injured last year. So I mean there is there is some definitely some hope. But to me that biggest thing is the quarterback and and the deep in the back seven. Those are going to be the two keys that that are really really going to define whether this is an eight win team or this is a team that struggles to get to five wins again and to struggle to move the ball. And, I mean, we, let's face it, I mean, we were kind of almost pampered with Mike Price because we may not have a defense, but, I mean, damn, we've we put up some points minus the last couple of years of his tenure. But, you know, so now it's, it's kind of, you know, you don't know what to expect from this team. But Brent Peace, 
Tom Mason, you got some work to do, my friend. And all of a sudden, it's Tom Mason. That's crazy to me, bro. Anyway, it's been a good show, man. I think we did better this time around than we did a couple weeks back because I was rusty as hell last time, bro. <laughs> it's a little fire. It's conference tournament time. Everybody got a little pep in that step, man. So. This, is always, this is the best time of year, man. I love just watching basketball oh. games all day long. We're doing this last Thursday. I like, I like how the, you, know, you go to NCAA.com or whatever it is where you watch the, the games, and then they have like the – the work button or what I know boss button. Oh or yeah, 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 yeah. Like, all of a sudden it look like you're looking at some document or something. I, I, I mean, you know, I've seen it, but I've always I don't I've know if they have it on my phone. I, they they right. did it last year. I don't know if they still do it, but oh man, that's great. Anyway, good show, man. Y'all continue to follow Minor Rush and Alex. All the great work he does over at minorrush.com. Of course, on Twitter at SBN Minor Rush. Email us at sbnminorrush@gmail.com with any comments, questions, concerns. You want to help write for the rush? Hit us up. Let us know what you can do. Um, other than that, look up Alex on Snapchat. He's got some real provocative videos that go up there every now and oh, then. For real? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I had some female asking me about Snapchat today. I was like, girl, I don't even get on Facebook. <laughs> I get on Twitter you for keep minor it clean, huh? That's it. All right. Well, Who is danger on there? Yeah, that's true. Well, for a single guy like you, man. Yeah, keep, I, I, I just. For me, I, I log on to Facebook to like see family stuff, I guess. Keep, I don't even know, bro. Yeah, videos. Exactly, dude. <laughs> I don't use much social media. I'll Shout out to Rubik's, though. They got some females there. Oop, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Conference tournament time, man. We'll see y'all we'll in a week. We'll see y'all on the rush.